Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Well, good morning, Coastal. Uh, it is uh, such a pleasure to be together in person. I, this is only my third Sunday back, by the way. I'm a hospice chaplain. I've been a little extra, extra cautious, uh, but it is great to be back. But for those of you who are at home, uh, it's great that you can worship with us as well. I know we did that for many months, and for many months, all of us were doing that. And so it's, uh, it's awesome that we can worship together uh, no matter where we are. Uh, as Pastor Chris uh, said, it's uh, been a, a little bit of a tradition now for me to share during this series. And when Pastor Chris called and I'm waiting, uh, well, which book is he going to give me to, to talk about? Uh, like Ryan talked about last week, it's a little bit of a gamble if you're throwing a book that you're not really feel, familiar with or comfortable with. But as soon as he said anxious for nothing, I knew that it was one that would be relevant for today. I knew it was one that would be relevant for me, and I know Max Lucado is a great author, and I was, was familiar with that book, and so I thought it would be something that would really uh, help us out. So anxiety and worry and fear are definitely a problem in my life, uh, and also in the life of most Americans today. According to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, an anxiety disorder is now the most common mental illness in the United States, affecting 40 million adults or almost 18% of the population. Now keep in mind, these are just those that are considered to have a disorder, not those that just have day-to-day -day anxiety. I know some of you heard me, heard me say mental illness and you thought, oh no, I've got anxiety, I've got a mental illness. Now you're more anxious than when you came. But... Um, don't worry about that. Time Magazine reported that just one year ago, 78% of Americans were at least as anxious as the year before or more anxious than the year before. And that was prior to coronavirus. So just think what our anxiety levels are like today. And so uh, it is just across the board hard for us uh, in our culture to deal with anxiety. It was interesting to me. I heard uh, one author uh, says that uh, from the 1940s, they said the anxiety levels are increasing at an exponential rate and pace from one generation to the next. Well, if, if the 1940s writer thought that, what does that mean for us uh, today in this world that we live in? Uh, our world today has so many things that create anxiety. Uh, social media and that everybody else's perfect facade and us trying to live up to their perfect life, that, the comparison trap that this creates. Texting. Uh, creates a lot of anxiety. Having to read between the lines of what people aren't saying or what you think they're saying or might be saying and the delayed response, waiting for them to respond. Why aren't they responding? And then feeling like you got to respond right away. And then, of course, there's autofill and autocorrect. How many times has that created anxiety for you? Um, and then there's politics, the divisive language and the spewed anger. And we have to decide, do we remain neutral in this process or do we jump in and create more anxiety for ourselves. And on top of that, there's the ra racial tensions of our day. Maybe you're one who feel, feels like you've been discriminated against and that creates tension and anxiety for you. Or maybe you're one who's trying to figure out how do I be sensitive and supportive and caring toward those who have. But then of course, obviously on top of that, there's COVID-19. This has so many unknown elements to it. It's something we've never faced before. We don't know what tomorrow holds, what the new understanding of it will be. There are so many contrasting and competing messages. We don't know who we can trust. We're facing financial and social impacts of lost income and changing relationships and the fear for our health and for our family. 
With the increase of technology, the news is bombarding us constantly with stuff and information that we, we can't really absorb, but we hear everything in real time, which just raises the level of anxiety in us. And on top of that, we have a, just a rapidly changing world. The pace of change just increases constantly. Our culture changes, our friends change, our families change, our cars and our homes change, our health changes, our churches change. It causes us just to have the sense that nothing in life is stable or secure anymore. Now, you would think that as Christians, we'd be exempt from worry, right? Didn't Christ come to bring peace? But the problem is we're not at peace. Now, we've been taught that the Christian life is a life of peace. And so when we don't have peace, we assume there's a problem inside of us and it just creates even more anxiety. So now we feel anxious about our anxiety and we have this downward spiral that continues. As a culture and, and even more, I think, as Christians, it seems sometimes we kind of bought into the idea that the best way to deal with anxiety is to create a bubble or try to avoid it, create an environment where there is no anxiety. Some an environment insulates or isolates us from it. And even as Christians, we come up with theologies that teach us we need to have dominion over the things in our life or have authority over those situations. Or if we just have enough faith, we can overcome. But the problem is we don't have enough faith. We're still anxious. We're still worried. And so we end up feeling like a failure because we have more anxiety. Now, I don't remember as a child feeling anxious. I feel like I had a pretty secure childhood, but I can look back and see a theme throughout my life where I've always been worried about what others thought of me, and inordinately so, I think. I've always wanted to please others, and so I've always been trying to figure out how to do that, and of course, that creates an immense amount of anxiety throughout my life. I've also struggled with decision-making, I have never been a risk taker and I've, I've procrastinated in making decision making, which of course creates more overthinking and more anxiety in my life. I've been fearful of change and I've stayed in situations I should have left long before I did because I was fearful to move forward. And as I said earlier, I'm a hospice chaplain and I've spent 10 years as being a chaplain now Every time I get a little ache or a little pain, I think, oh no, I've got cancer or it's heart disease or some, some other problem. Anybody else do those kind of things? I'm afraid maybe I'm gonna end up being a hospice patient myself. Mm. But see, I know anxiety displays itself in our lives in different ways. It affects us from different ways, but it displays for me often in frustration and irritation and underlying tension uh, an irritability that makes it hard for me to, to live with sometimes. Sorry about that, Perry. But um, uh, sometimes even explosions of anger and frustration. Now, in contrast to this, God's intent for us is that we would be anxious for nothing. Now, it, it seems to me as I, you know, I've walked this Christian walk for a long time. And it seems to me that we tend to live out this walk with a perspective of the past. And the past is we've been saved some point in the past or we've become a follower of Christ at some point in the past. And we often talk about the future, eternity in heaven. But sometimes it seems that we kind of are not really sure if God is involved in the here and now. Does God really care? Does he make a difference in our daily lives? He 
He said at the beginning of his ministry that he came to bring freedom for the captives. Now, didn't he come to free us from the prison of anxiety? Max Lucado in this book says, the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. So I want us to see today that there's no way to avoid the anxiety-inducing situations in our life, but we don't have to be bound up because of it. So let's look at how to be freed from this prison of anxiety. So let's look at the answer to anxiety. I think what we really would prefer is we would prefer a magician God. A genie in a bottle would maybe even be better. One that we have control over, we'd be able to wish the stressful situations away. But instead, God gives us the tools that we need to overcome anxiety. Or he gives us the keys to open the prison door of anxiety. And he promises that he will be with us in and through those anxious situations. In Philippians chapter 4, there's what I consider to be kind of a, a formula for peace. And that's what we want to look at today, Philippians chapter 4 and this formula. So let's start in verse 7. You will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Wow, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Because peace is really what we want. We want peace of mind, peace in our hearts, peace in our spirits, peace in our daily life and routine. But what do you mean, Paul? I'll experience God's peace. I'm not experiencing it. Well, I read this verse out of context. And it always helps to read the scripture in context. But I wanted you to see that the scriptures actually promise us that we can have peace. So in verse four, he says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate on all you do. And remember the Lord is coming soon. So always be full of joy. There's your answer. We can stop right there, right? I, Paul said, just go and be full of joy. If you're going to be full of joy, you won't have anxiety, right? Have a great week. That's, that's it. Now, that's easy for Paul to say, right? But hard for us to do. How do, how do we do this? How do we rejoice in the Lord always? It, it sounds impossible. But let's look at this formula for peace. In verse 6, he says, don't worry about anything. Okay, be full of joy and don't worry. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> really helpful, right? Just don't worry, be happy. Bobby McFerrin could have told us that, right? Anybody remember that song? Don't worry, be happy. Um, anybody remember that? Anybody want to whistle it for you? I, I was tempted, but uh, I listened to it on the way here this morning. Yeah, I hear somebody's got it going there. Um, anyway, how, how can we be a real life person and obey this command? Rejoice always. Is it possible to always feel joy? No, it's not. And that's not what Paul's saying. He's, he, he challenges us here to rejoice in the Lord. It's not calling us to a feeling, not a feeling of joy, but to a decision of joy, a decision to trust God, to declare our confidence that God exists, that God is in control and that God is good. 
You see, there are different ways we can respond to our fears and worries and anxiety. We can deny them. You can live in denial if you want. Now, it'll come out in some way or another. Or we can vent our fears. We can just let it all out for everybody to see. And we prefer, if we're around you, that you don't do that. Or we can pray our fears or our feelings to God. Now, this is what the writer of the Psalms does. And this is what Paul is suggesting that we do. So he said in verse six, don't worry about anything. Instead, okay, so replace the worry. Don't worry. Instead, replace the worry with pray about everything. And he gives us two specific types of prayer. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. So the first one, let's look at that. Tell God what you need. Well, what we need is peace, right? Now, I know you could make a whole list of things you think you need. But the reality is probably everything on that list were things that you think if you had them would bring you peace. So what you're really trying to get is peace. The new car and the new house, those aren't the things you really want. What you really want is peace in your spirit. God wants to bring you peace. <laughs> so tell him what you need. Pray, say, God, I need peace in my situation. I need peace in my spirit. Now, can you imagine with me for a second the disciples on the Sea of Galilee in a boat and a storm comes up. The wind is whipping ferociously. The waves are crashing over the side of the boat. The boat is filling up with water. They're starting to bail out water and they're freaking out. Even though they're experienced boaters, they don't know what to do in this situation and they're worried for their life. And we find out in the story, suddenly, I'm sure all along they're calling Jesus, you wanna help here? But suddenly we find out Jesus is asleep in the boat. The disciples are threatened by the storm, but Jesus is obviously not threatened by the storm. And it's interesting what they say to him. They say, Jesus, don't you care that we drown? See, that's the question we have too, isn't it? Don't you care? God, don't you care? When I feel like I'm drowning in my situation and my struggle, God, don't you care? But as the story goes on, Jesus wakes up I, sure, I, I imagine he doesn't do it frantically like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> no, he wakes up calmly and he speaks, peace, be still. And the storm calms. But you know, I have a feeling that even more than just speaking to the waves and the wind, he was speaking to the disciples. Peace, be still. Peace in their spirit. So the disciples, their anxiety level was way up here and Jesus speaks and suddenly goes way down here, calm. Can you imagine that God can do the same thing to your anxiety in your situation that he can speak peace, be still and your anxiety level go from up here to down here? You see, God is in control of the storms in your life. We need to declare this verbally, out loud when we're anxious, declare that God is in control. You see, we have to do this because our feelings are all over the place and they will take us places we don't need to go or want to go. And we got to speak to our feelings, speak truth to your feelings because feelings are fickle. You see, our culture today teaches us otherwise. They teach us that our feelings control us that they are the real us, that they define us, even maybe that they're in the place of God, that they create our reality. The culture teaches us to trust our feelings. 
But Max Lucado says this again in the book. He says, while feelings are wonderful servants, they are terrible gods. He goes on and says, when they flow ungoverned by God's spirit and God's reality, they make us threats both to ourselves and to others. You see, there's some recent research on how and why we feel the feelings that we do that argues that our language or the words that we speak don't just describe the feelings that we have, they also change and create them. So the words we speak can actually shape the way we feel. Now, it's interesting to me that modern research finds these things out, but biblical writers seem to understand them a long time ago. The psalmist understood this concept, and he would say, why so downcast, oh my soul? He says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I'll put my hope in God. I'll praise him again, my Savior and my God. You see, there is a strong connection between what we think and what we say. What we think will come out in our words, but also our words can affect our thinking. So if we say or pray to God what we are thinking, it can change our understanding of our situation. You see, the psalmist speaks again aloud and he says of God's goodness, God, you're my refuge. I trust in you and I'm safe. Can you declare those words of truth over your life in your anxious moments? Do you let your feelings control you or let God control you? your feelings. If God is in control, then we have to recognize that, acknowledge that, and hand that control over to God. You see, feeling like our life is out of control creates anxiety. But feeling like it's under control creates calm. But let me tell you, there are different ways to feel that a situation is under control. One way is to feel that the situation is manageable, that you can handle that situation. But the other is to feel that it is being handled by somebody else. A situation you've all seen somewhere along the way. A small toddler faced by a big dog. Instant fear and anxiety. The child is overwhelmed by the bigness of the problem. And they go running to mom or dad, and mom and dad swoops them up in their arms, and suddenly the fear is gone because mom and dad have this situation under control. Somebody bigger than the dog, bigger than the problem has resolved this issue for them. You see, rather than trying to control our situation, we need to run to God, our heavenly father. And that's why Paul tells us to rejoice in the Lord because it shifts our focus off of the problem, off of the anxiety and puts it on God who is the answer and solution to our problem. Oswald Chambers, and if you're not familiar with my utmost for his highest, that's where his quotes come from. Been a, a staple in my life for many years as a devotional. Uh, I would encourage you to, to, to read it, check it out. But he says this, resting in the Lord is not dependent on your circumstances at all, but on your relationship with God himself. You see, your problem isn't really the problem. The way you see your problem is really what the problem is. Peace is always available to us, not because there's no problems, but because of the presence of God, a God who's in control. So rather than focusing on the chaos and the situation, rejoice in the Lord, as Paul tells us. When we rejoice in the Lord, when we focus on him, the anxiety decreases as our awareness of our Father who's in control increases. So give your worries to him. 
In fact, the scripture says it like this, cast, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You see, we need to make our first response when we first become aware. And I know I find myself sometimes being all caught up in the anxiety and struggle a good while before it, I kind of have a self-realization that I'm, I'm worried and anxious. But as soon as you get that self-awareness, don't then dig in further, but instead cast it to the Lord. Anybody seen anybody use a cast net? You ever use a cast net? Yeah? Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever used the cast net and let go of the, the rope that's supposed to pull it back in with? No? Well, good. But that's what you should do with your worry. You should not have a, re, a retrieval rope to pull it back. Cast it to God. So this is one of the things I want you to take with you today. Cast your worry. It's a, a symbolic thing that you can remember to do. One of my biggest anxiety-inducing things in my life is a fear of being taken advantage of. I just, I don't know. I, 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 I hate that. I'm worried that, you know, when it comes to the big things in life, the house or the car and repairs and those kind of things, I just feel like somebody is going to take advantage of me. And so I overthink this process when it comes to something like that. Well, two weeks ago, I was faced with a problem at home. Our air conditioner fans started making some noises it wasn't supposed to make. And it happened, and over the weekend, I, was, I would go check, and it would seem to be okay, and then randomly it would do it, and I kind of made my way through the weekend. Well, Monday morning rolled around, and it started really making a lot of noise. Well, this Monday morning happens to be the Monday morning that Esaias is rolling through town. And so I'm trying to figure out, how am I going to deal with this problem today? I start to go through the list of referrals of HVAC companies and try to figure out what to do. And I'm, I'm working through all this and starting to worry about it. But I decide, okay, God, I'm going to put it into practice. I'm going to see if I can actually practice what I preach here. Um, and so I just prayed. I said, God, show me what to do. And almost instantly, a name of a person popped into my head. It was a person from Coastal. And I, uh, I reached out to him. And by the end of the day, he came and fixed my fan in the storm, by the way. And thank you, uh, thank you for your help. Much appreciated. But, but I, I learned in that moment, and I'm, I'm continually learning to let God fight the battle for me. Let God fight your battles of anxiety. Don't fight them on your own. They're bigger than you if you let them be. Like that dog that worries that toddler. You need somebody to run to who can fight on your behalf. We now, as followers of Christ, it talks about the kingdom of God. We're part of a new kingdom. We're no longer a part of the kingdom of anxiety and fear and stress and worry. That was our past. We don't live there anymore. Now we live in a new kingdom where we have a king who defends and protects us. Your new kingdom is a kingdom of peace. Here in the United States, we live in a place where we have a strong military and strong borders, safe borders. We have a strong defense that fights our battles on our behalf. And thank you, by the way, to those of you who are in the military and Allow us to have that safety. But we're safe and secure within the borders of our country. And you have to choose to step outside the boundaries to go to a dangerous place. Places that come to mind, North Korea, China, or Iran. By the way, I'm not going to any of those places unless God tells me to, and then there'll be a fight. But, uh, you know, I, those are not safe places to go. And just in the same way, it's not safe for us to go in our mind to the place of anxiety. Don't spend your time there. Don't, don't go into the future. Live in the moment, in today. 
Matthew 6, verse 34 says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough worry of its own. So you see, to experience this peace and protection of this kingdom, we have to surrender the control, the defense to a God who's bigger than us. But one of the things I find is that so much of our life revolves around control. From the time you're a little toddler, you start to exert that control. By the time you're a teenager and a young adult, you really start to feel independent and feel like you've got things under control. But one of the things I see as a hospice chaplain, as we approach the end of life, one of the biggest battles we face is giving up control. And let me tell you, death and dying will strip away every sense of control. And by the way, we're all going to face it someday. And I feel like it's better to deal with this issue now than fight that battle then. Learn to give over the control to God. Don't continue to hold on to this anxiety and worry and fear because really what it is, it's just a lack of faith or a lack of trust in God. Overcoming anxiety is really about surrendering control and trusting God. So surrender. Come out with your hands up. Isn't that what you have to do? When somebody says surrender, you let go of control of the situation and you're giving control to somebody else. So here's a, by the way, uh, if you wonder why we raise our hands in church, that's one of the reasons. It's a, it's a surrendering, a symbolic of surrendering to God. It may be reaching out to our heavenly father and saying, I need help. And there are other reasons as well. But this is a good visual for us to take with us this week. So I want you for a minute, just think about what's the, most, the thing you're most anxious about today. Okay, now join me. Put your hands up. And at home, you can do this too. And say, God, I surrender. I surrender. Okay, that's something you can do this week. When you feel anxious, you feel that coming on, there's a visual. Just raise your hands and say, God, I surrender. You see, if our fears and our worries and anxiety cause us to become dependent on God, cause us to surrender to God, cause us to reach out to God, cause us to acknowledge his presence. It can actually be a positive thing. It can be turned around for good. Paul says, in my weakness, I'm made strong. We can let our weakness become the strength of God in our life and let him rule in our hearts. Colossians says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. Oswald Chambers again, he says, we tend to think that a little anxiety and worry are simply an indication of how wise we really are. Yet, it's actually a much better indication of just how weak we are. Fretting or anxiety rises from our determination to have our own way. You see, giving up our own way, recognizing that our peace comes from somewhere else, not from within ourselves, Acknowledging that we have a Prince of Peace and really getting to know him and trusting him is the difference. And it doesn't mean just knowing that I know God, I know Jesus, that I know he's the Prince of Peace, but knowing that he is somebody that's trustworthy and I have a relationship, an understanding of him that I can fall back on and trust. Knowing that he's a good God and that he loves us. First John says, there is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out all fear. So then love has not been made perfect in anyone who's afraid because fear has to do with punishment. 
You see, the heart of this really is about us resolving in our mind that God loves us and that he will only allow what is best for us. Now, I know if you have been around church circles or even not around church circles, I hear this verse or parts of it or, or saying the essence of it over and over again. It's Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. You know, I don't know if I believe that really honestly in my heart. Do I act like, do I live like I believe that? Do we believe that? Do we live our life in a way saying that I believe that? Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever heard somebody say, looking back on or talking about a situation from their past, when that situation came, I didn't like the way it went down. I, I would not have wanted it to be that way. But in retrospect, looking back, I, see, I can see it was better for me. You ever said that or anybody else ever said that around you? I think we've all heard that said. So if we can trust that God knew our past while it was still our future, he knew it better than we did and he turned it out for good. Can't we look at our future and trust that God knows our future and if we walk with him, we can trust that he is gonna turn it out for good as well. So let's look at the final step of this formula. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. You see, there is power in gratitude. How many people do you know who have what you would consider everything, but they're not happy? You see, happiness doesn't naturally lead us to gratitude, but gratitude leads us to happiness. Gratitude makes us happy. Max Lucado says, if it came in pill form, gratitude would be deemed a miracle cure. You see, we can choose to replace the anxiety or worry with gratitude. Gratitude is like lighting a candle in a dark room. Worry and gratitude can't coexist because it chases the darkness of worry away. Gratitude releases peace into our spirit. It takes the focus off of ourself and puts it on God. You know what? It actually changes the way we think. When we focus on positive things, we end up think more about positive things. When we focus on negative things, we end to think more about negative things. There's studies that talk about this. Well, it's interesting that once again, it seemed like the Bible was ahead of modern science and psychology. Philippians 4, what it really is, it's what counselors would call replacement therapy. God gave this to Paul long before our modern counselors had it. So today, you can thank God and thank Paul for saving you lots of money for a free therapy session. Philippians 4 says this in verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, so this is what we replace with. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. So be intentional about your focus. Fill your mind with Christ by reading and memorizing scripture, by listening to worship music, those songs that go with you throughout your day, and by spending time in prayer. And at the end of this passage, Paul wraps it all up with this, and it always amazes me when I read it. He says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. And I pray for the day when I learn that secret. 
whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You see, we can overcome anxiety and fear just like Paul when we learn the secret is knowing that God is in control and through the power of Christ that lives in us, we can do all things. So here's your takeaway for today. Three simple things you can carry. Cast your anxiety to God. Surrender control to God and fill your heart with God and you'll have peace. Let's pray. God, I thank you that we're not who we used to be, but we're also not who we're going to be. God, we long for your peace in our hearts. And God, we acknowledge that we live way too often in fear and anxiety and worry. But God, we surrender today to you. We give it to you. And we invite you to in place of our anxiety, replace it with your peace. Give us the strength that we need and empower us to intentionally take steps to be overcomers and to let your transforming power effectively change our hearts. Amen. Now, if you have never surrendered your life to God, today's a great day to do that. In fact, whether you're here at home or, or wherever you're at, I encourage you just to say this with me. All of you, whether you're new to the Lord or not, say this, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Now, maybe you've done this before. Maybe you've surrendered to God before. But this thing of worry and fear and anxiety continues to plague you. And that's probably most or all of us. So again, let's say this together. Jesus, I give you my anxiety, fear, worry, and stress. Jesus, give me your peace. Let's say that together. Jesus, I give you my anxiety, fear, worry, and stress. Jesus, give me your peace. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.